Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. CDs News Talk, Brian Ward, Paul Happy from the HWX Podcast on Ricochet.com. Paul Happy, quick uh, weather uh, update. How's it looking out there? Actually looks like it's cleared up in beautiful St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Well, that's uh, fantastic. The sun is coming out, and uh, what a perfect segue for this next man. We are now delighted to be joined by Jason Lewis. If you're a Minnesota talk radio listener, you already know him. If you're a conservative Minnesotan and a talk radio listener of a certain generation like me and Paul, you recognize this man as an important influence on your intellectual development and political philosophy. Uh, my opinion, over the radio, he mentored an entire generation of Minnesota conservatives. Jason Lewis, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks so much, Brian. You're too kind. Well, uh, wait to my questions, Jason. You may change your mind. Uh, There's some hard-hitting uh, questions. <laughs> Jason, you're running for uh, Congress now in the uh, second district, and I'm sure you're out uh, campaigning. Uh, the weather does not even stop uh, uh, the campaign. Is that true? You're out there somewhere today? We are in uh, Wabasha and Goodhue. We're doing the campaign caravan, uh, caravan today, and unfortunately, we had, well, fortunately, we've met a great number of people. We're in Cannon Falls right now at Brewster's, and we've been in Wadamingo, and we've been in Zumbroda. Kenyon, and we're heading to Red Wing. So it's a big day for us in the, the uh, outer portions of the 2nd District. Um, the bad news is we were going to door knock until uh, the 40 days and 40 nights of rain started. Uh, once we saw the animals start to pair up on a lawn, then we realized we may, may want to hold off on the door knocking. So we've met a, a bunch of great people. Well, maybe you'll be uh, huddling in some uh, voters' basements coming up here, and that's what a better way to get to know them. Or floating. <laughs> right. Jason, uh, I want to touch briefly on uh, your talk radio career, because, again, I'm just a, such an admirer of your work, and uh, unfortunately uh, your opponents in the Republican primary uh, that's coming up just in a few weeks have kind of trotted that out as a negative uh, in terms of your career. And uh, I just have to say I, I disagree completely. Uh, you, in essence, had kind of a life of a public intellectual for a while, and uh, just your approach to the issues was so methodical and your knowledge of the Constitution and economics and how you apply those to issues. And again, as a, as a listener, it really was educational and kind of taught us, you know, how to think about these issues in public policy. And uh, maybe if you can just speak about, you know, public or talk radio as preparation for this career, to me, it seems like a natural. I think so. When you've been talking about the issues, analyzing the issues, uh, talking to guests who are far smarter than me for the better part of two decades, I think it is good preparation. Uh, the fact is I could have been doing a radio or a, a gardening program on the radio, and, and the West and, and uh, some opponents would have taken something out of context there. We knew they were going to do that. But all day today on our campaign caravan throughout Wabasha and Goodhue, we've had a Democrat tracker following us. <laughs> so it doesn't it, – it, and they're you know, videotaping and, and recording everything you say, and that's pretty much standard these days for congressional races. So the point is, it doesn't matter whether you come from a radio background 
or no background at all in the media, they're going to try to find something, anything. And anybody is going to get their words taken out of context. So, look, um, the good news is in the endorsement process for the Republican-endorsed candidate, we've got a primary coming up on August 9th. And try as they may, our opponents are sort of desperately trying to find something that will stick. And the good news is, as I say, to date, they have not found anything because people have listened to me for 20, 25 years. And they said, you know, that's really not what Jason was saying. He has been very methodical. Now, look, you don't have to agree with everything I say, um, but let's have a debate about the issues. Let's talk about going forward. And when you say, oh, gosh, 10 years ago, you said this, how's that going to help somebody's health insurance premiums tomorrow? These people are going backward. We need to go forward. Jason, I'm personally disturbed by the fact that in this election, we've seen a lot of Republicans really feel free to aid the their political opponents by yeah. calling people like Donald Trump racist and sexist and, and saying things about you that are, you know, clearly out of context to the point of being unethical. What What are your feelings about that and what can you do about that? That has probably been one of the more distressing aspects of this. Once you start to get Republicans using Democrat talking points, then, uh, you know, you, you scratch your head and say, wow, with friends like these. Uh, the Democrats don't do that. The Democrats are smarter than that. They circle the wagons, and they realize they've got a real philosophical opponent. Uh, there's too much petty politics uh, on our side right now where people's feelings are hurt because they didn't get the endorsement. So they trot out anything they can, including Democrat talking points, and it, and it hurts the Republican Party in the general election. They're not being good 11th Commandment Republicans. So that is distrusting, and it's too bad. Yeah, and uh, not to dwell on this point, but I felt the same way that Paul did, that it seems like they'll just grasp at anything at this point. They have nothing else, so I'll just take whatever uh, the Democrats are going to uh, use later, just in the, in the chance that that'll be enough to vault them over the top. But uh, I guess the voters are going to have the final say. That's again, well, the voters are on to that, though. I mean, they, they understand these backbenchers don't have anything else to do, Yep. and and uh, that's all they've got. But, but we're, we've been fortunate enough to stick with the issues, kind of like my radio show. I talked about issues. Uh, it wasn't the politics of personalities. It was issues. And that's what I want a campaign to be, and that's what it should be. And that's what a healthy debate is all about. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So, Jason, when you're campaigning, I assume you're running into a segment of the population that are consider themselves never-Trumpers. What do you say to those people, and how do you how do you deal with the fact that they won't support the top of the ticket? Well, I mean, the best thing the Republican nominee has going for him is Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, the, you've got to come to the conclusion that you're never going to get the perfect candidate. Uh, there are a lot of people that didn't like Reagan, believe it or not, in 76 and 80. Thought he was too conservative, and the moderate establishment didn't like him, and this and that. Um, so what's that mean? You're going to vote for Jimmy Carter? Well, what's it mean today? You're going to support Hillary Clinton? We can't afford eight more years of these Obama-Clinton policies. So we can't afford higher taxes yet, uh, more health care uh, micromanaging that is skyrocketing premiums and taking away choice from Minnesotans as Blue Cross and Humana drop out of, uh, you know, Mark Dayton's favorite exchange, MinSure. It's been a total disaster. We've got so many regulations that businesses are paralyzed, from the DOL, Department of Labor's new overtime rule, to affordable care to Dodd-Frank. Um, we are in a, a tipping point, guys, right now. And if we don't do something in a hurry, we're going to look like Greece. And that scares me for my kids, for my grandkids, for, for every generation upcoming. Jason, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, 
maybe what you're seeing out there with the voters when you're meeting them now or, or just your uh, your sense of how things are going for Republicans specifically in Minnesota in the 2nd District. And again, I think back to the good old days, if you will, when you were on the radio and, you know, Minnesota Republicans actually used to win statewide elections occasionally. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like Republicans in town weren't afraid to actually advocate conservatism. It wasn't off the table. They weren't afraid to do it. And I think things have changed. And it, it almost seems like the era before you came along and before talk radio was a force and where, you know, the local Republicans were very compliant and very domesticated. And I get the sense that, it's, that at least the establishment is getting that way again here in town. Yeah, yeah no, I think you're right. That's very, uh, uh, very insightful. The, 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 the fact is that for one reason or another, there's a large group of us that believe our enemy. So if you open up the New York Times and you read it and you believe it, you're halfway down the road to oblivion. And the problem is the, the, the squishier side believes this stuff. Oh, well, the New York Times said this and this and this. You can't really oppose Obamacare, so I guess we better not. Democrats do not, do not mess with that. They don't believe any conservative principle, any limited, limited government proposal. They are committed to socialism, committed to collectivism, and they are not going to be deterred. We're not certain of our ideology sometimes. We're not certain of that, and I think that does, does hurt us. Now, I will say this. That doesn't mean you don't have to reach out to independents and Democrats. And like Donald Trump or not, he is clearly doing that. He is clearly doing that by talking about uh, jobs that are vanishing, by talking about wages that have downward pressure, talking about illegal immigration, talking about the things that, that resonate or transcend political party. People are tired of the red versus blue stuff. Well, i got to take this position because it's good for my party. They don't want to hear that. They don't care about the future of the Democrat Party or the Republican Party. They care about their future. And if you don't start talking about that, you're going to get lost. Let's uh, talk about your campaign and uh, uh, some of the specific issues. But uh, let me also talk about your thoughts about entering the House of Representatives and, you know, what is possible in a in a first term? Uh, the House is an institution that really relies on seniority or uh, oh, yeah, right, right. And, and just being in with the leadership and stuff. And uh, so, I mean, what, what is your thoughts about what you would like to do if you are elected? What, what is possible for a first-term congressman well, from CT? Yep, I've talked with many members. Tom Emmer has been kind enough to endorse us. Uh, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky has been kind enough to endorse us. And I tell him this, you guys need reinforcements. And this is a step, one district at a time. We can put a critical mass in Washington and change the, the paradigm. And that's the only way to do it. There is no quick fix. There is no silver bullet. You've got to simply do the legwork. That's why we're out uh, in, in campaigning today. you got to do the legwork. you got to talk to people, educate people, convince people. Then you got to get elected, and then you got to stand on your principles. And if you start to do that one district at a time, it changes. But look, you know, liberalism didn't come around overnight. It took Woodrow Wilson and the progressive era. It took FDR, it took LBJ, and pretty soon we find ourselves with a – top marginal tax rate of 60% when you include Minnesota's take and payroll taxes and all the like. You All these regulations where you can't choose your form of energy. You can't choose the kind of toilet you want to buy. You can't choose the kind of health care you want. This took a, a couple of generations to get here. We're not going to get out from under it in one day. Folks, we're talking with Jason Lewis. He's running for Congress in Minnesota's 2nd District. If you have a question for him, give us a call, 651-989-5855. This is Warden Happy on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family 
cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Brian Ward, Paul Happy from HWX talking to the great Jason Lewis, congressional candidate in Minnesota's 2nd District. Jason, hey, before... Know, I think that song is my opponent's theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know... We know how much you like the Beatles, Jason, so welcome, welcome back to the radio. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the state of the Republican Party in Minnesota and how it's not ideal... Jason, what do Republicans have to do to get traction in Minnesota and start and start enforcing their agenda? Well, I don't know if there's any one, as I say, quick fix. I think Keith Downing's uh, doing a fine job and, and doing starting to lay the groundwork for that. But it's it's a tough deal. It, it, as you guys correctly point out, there was a period there, it coincided in the 90s in the first part of the century, where uh, the Republicans were holding statewide offices, standing firm. And then they sort of slip back into, um, in some cases, sort of a, a Democrat light version. Um, it doesn't help when former Republican governors decide to endorse Democrats, or uh, you get people that would rather see a Democrat elected than a Republican they disagree with. So, um, what's 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 ironic about it, fellas, is a lot of the people that are, you know, the never Trumpers and other people that don't like uh, other Republicans were the same Republicans that were demanding. Other Republicans support their candidate, whether it's John McCain or anybody else. So it was sort of a one-way 11th commandment for a number of years. But look, it goes back to Hillary Clinton. I mean, seriously, do you, do you really want um, four years or eight years of Hillary Clinton's Supreme Court's at risk, the economy's at risk, our national security's at risk? It, the stakes are just too high. I haven't, seen it, I haven't seen this sort of a scenario since 1980, really. Speaking of some of the issues, uh, Jason, you had a uh, editorial in the Pioneer Press this weekend about executive overreach and I think contrasting uh, your opinion uh, versus your uh, presumptive Democratic opponent coming up. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was, uh, again, a terrific piece that, again, had a constitutional citation in it and uh, kind of laid out the issues as it were. And uh, it's kind of this issue of uh, the executive branch, uh, specifically Barack Obama, uh, overriding his traditional responsibilities and taking on all sorts of new, uh, really unilateral decisions. And what I find fascinating about this issue is that it's not necessarily partisan. Can you imagine what the Democrats are going to say if Trump happens to want to use the same privileges that Barack Obama has established? Imagine what the Democrats did say when Richard Nixon was president. He was the imperial president. No one is above the law. What were they complaining about? They were complaining about executive overreach. They were complaining about executive privilege, which the president has declared in Benghazi documents or any documents he doesn't want to disclose. They were talking about writing law from the Oval Office when, when Nixon was doing this or that. 
executive orders. This president, when it comes to executive memoranda, has issued more than any president in history. He has altered statute or tried to alter statutory law on energy, on immigration, on the Affordable Care Act, on anything he can imagine. So the only thing that separates the American people from tyranny is that little piece of paper called the Constitution. And if you start to to dismiss that by overstepping or violating the separation of powers between the executive, look, here's one thing that I wish every civics teacher would would do. When you tell the junior high class that we have um, uh, checks and balances and that that we have co-equal branches of government, I think we need to go back and look at the Federalist Papers and read the founders and realize we don't have co-equal branches. The legislative branch was supposed to be supreme. It was the one outlined in Article 1. It is the branch of government closest to the people. That's why the, the founders gave it, it that branch and only that branch the power to make law, the consent of the governed. When the president intervenes in that, and remember, the executive branch is there to ex- execute the law, hence executive. When the, when the judicial branch intervenes in that, we threaten the architecture of our republic. That is not something I take lightly. No, it's a great point that, uh, again, you make in this editorial. Folks, check out the uh, Pioneer Press online. It's up there now. And you make one point that uh, uh, your presumptive Democrat opponent, Angie Craig, claimed that the reason why she's even entering this, and she originally wanted to challenge John Klein, was uh, to stop uh, uh, interference with uh, Obama's executive orders on immigration. That's what brought her in, to sustain executive overreach. Um, Yeah, yeah, the DACA and DAPA moves by the president where he would unilaterally, without legislative action, grant de facto amnesty to 4 million illegals or undocumented, create an entirely new undocumented status in which the legislature had no input. And, of course, uh, he didn't prevail in that as the federal court struck it down, put a hold on it. But that didn't stop Angie Craig. She said, oh, he didn't go far enough on that. and Or, or that was why I was going to run, I believe was her comment. He didn't go... You know, who knows where where this Bernie Sanders version of a congressional candidate is going to take us, but it's not any place I want to go. And I wish the uh, the Congress itself would have some respect for their own institution. This, again, doesn't have to be necessarily bipartisan. And in previous eras, the, the Congress would have taken their responsibilities seriously, even if someone from their own party was vastly overstretching their bounds. There would have been objections to that based upon a separation of powers agreement. But Barack well, Obama— only, That's a very good point. Not only that— Let's let's look in the mirror here. Part of the problem is Congress, not just uh, an overreaching executive. Congress abdicates its responsibility. I mean, Dodd-Frank's a classic example by handing over to administrative agencies the power to draft rules that are effectively laws. They can't abdicate that responsibility. So, yeah, but, but, you know, that gets them off the hook for having to take a tough stand on something. So that is part of the problem. Uh, It's a problem in Washington, and it's got to be stopped. And Look, if, if you believe in the Republican small r, uh, the architecture of a republic, let me put it that way, if you believe in limited government, which, you remember, government is, isn't reason, as Washington said. It isn't eloquence. It's force. If you believe in limiting that so it does what it's supposed to do and no more, then you need to support Jason Lewis on August 9th in the Republican primary. Jason, I'm looking at your campaign website, and that's uh, join dot jason lewis 2016 2016com and i love 
uh, going to the issues page. Your number one issue is restoring jobs and economic growth. The yeah. next issue you've listed is reforming the tax code, and then you have cutting federal spending, and I, I, it warms my heart to see that. How are the people responding to your uh, your views on how to restore jobs and economic growth, and do people understand that the regulatory state has hurt our ability to generate jobs and economic growth? Yeah, they intuitively understand it. They see the regulations up close and personal. Uh, the, the, the fact is, and everybody knows that it's in the real world, the real economy, is we're not growing anywhere near what we should be growing in a normal recovery. Oh, this is the only economic recovery that hasn't hit 3% growth in the post-World War II era. Median household income is still $4,000 below what it was at the start of the recovery. The labor force participation rate hasn't been this low since 1977. Uh, Health care premiums are skyrocketing. Utility bills. Utility bills are going up 10%, but, but natural gas and oil prices have never been lower. What gives? It's regulation. It's regulation that's telling a small startup coffee shop or a high-tech startup, you can't hire somebody and make them a manager unless you pay them what the government says they should be paid. Not what they agree to be paid, what you agree to pay them, a private consensual contract, but what the government intervenes at. All of this is paralyzing the economy. And let me tell you, we all know how important national security is after what we've seen the last few months, but you can't have national security without economic security. And we've got to get our economy on the right track again, and so it's been very well received. Speaking of national security, uh, Jason, I also saw some uh, statements from you this past week regarding uh, terrorism. We've had uh, several events in the past few yeah. weeks. And, uh, again, I think this is another issue that you really differentiate yourself with your presumptive Democrat opponent in terms of what you are proposing to do to uh, ensure America can can resist uh, uh, the same atrocities we've been seeing around the world. Yeah, look, we got to quit um, avoiding the issues that are uncomfortable in this. We have a we have a crisis on our hands, and it's called Sunni extremism in the form of ISIS, Al Nusra Front in Syria, Al Qaeda in Iraq, uh, and we can talk about Russia, we can talk about Syria, but the fact is, we've got to look in the mirror and say who's funding, where are the terrorists getting their financing, and the dirty little secret is they're getting their financing from some of our so-called allies, UAE, Qatar, Saudi Arabia. Fifteen of the nineteen hijackers were Saudis. Now, why is it we don't talk about what's going on in those countries? We focus on other countries because it's inconvenient. Uh, they're getting foreign aid, billions of dollars in foreign aid. We're selling them F-15s. A big arms sale just went to Qatar, and we know the, the, the Qatar society funds Salafi terrorism in Tunisia and elsewhere, uh, directly and indirectly. So we're selling them F-15s. Why are we doing this? Why are we talking about this stuff? And we're not going to stop this until we cut off their financing. We know that we now have a link to the, the, the Turkey and maybe going as high as the president's son buying illegal ISIS oil. That funds ISIS. Um, so, look, our principal enemy right now is ISIS. We need to focus like a laser on that, defeating that, and do the policies or understand what's going on there so we can defeat this. And what comes first, of course, is controlling the border. Um, it, it seems like a, uh, like a given. It's remarkable that people advocate going abroad and doing this and doing that, and there are a number of reasonable things we can do. But the first thing you do, if your country's in jeopardy, is control the homeland. And now we're, what, admitting in 10,000 Syrian refugees, which, according to the Wall Street Journal this week, we may get to 10,000 by the end of September. Uh, 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We know what's happened with open borders in Europe, and it's not pretty. We do have one phone call here. Let's go to it now with Jason Lewis. Uh, Corey, you're on with Jason. Oh, well, I'll try to fit it in real quick. Okay. I got a comment and a question. My comment is this. Uh, Atlas Shrugged, one of the most impactful books I've ever read. Uh, And my recollection of it is when uh, Galt went Galt, he extracted himself from the mess that was politics of that day or that story. Uh, So, Mr. Lewis, how do you reconcile going Galt as you did? Yeah, uh, proudly uh, and and steadfastly, what two three years ago, and now jumping back in to the fray, but not only jumping back in to the fray, but as a hopeful member of one of the parties that made the fray the fray, being the Republicans. Yeah, well, I don't know how else to change the system without trying to get in the system to change it. If there's a different way, I, I'm all ears. But look, the, the economy is going cold. The economy is shutting down. That's what happens when people take their investment and they buy treasury bills or they keep trillions of dollars in profits overseas because they don't want to repatriate it. That is, in effect, people who are producers or a doctor who retires early because the federal government is reimbursing them below market rates. That's what happens. The economy starts to stop. Uh, We're growing at 0.5% GDP. Now, as to my uh, retirement plans, I worked in radio for 25 years. Uh, I decided to retire in, in 2014. I can guarantee you, uh, if we could get people in Congress to retire at 25 years, we'd all be a lot better off. Jason Lewis, uh, last uh, point. Uh, this is an important race. I know the Democrats have it uh, identified. Uh, they could flip a seat. Uh, it's very hard to do in this gerrymandered political age. I think the first thing people need to do is remember to vote August 9th. There is a primary that's contested. And then, uh, the uh, assuming you go forward, the general election. Uh, any message to the uh, folks out there? Uh, how can they help you if they want to? Well, thank you. Go to JasonLewis2016.com. That's JasonLewis2016.com. I'm the Republican-endorsed candidate in the 2nd Congressional District. For t- over two and a half decades, you and I talked on the air about the problems and the solutions. I thought we came up with a few good solutions. And we said, why can't we do something? Jason, why can't you get in there and mix it up and do something? I'm doing it now. I need your help. I need your help as the Republican-endorsed candidate on August 9th. Go to that primary. If you like the status quo, you can support my opponent because the things are not going to change. They are part of it. But if you finally want change, I'm finally doing what you, you know, a lot of people asked me to do for many, many years, and I'm glad to be doing it. It's the right fight. It's a worthwhile endeavor. But I need your help on August 9th. Thank you, Jason. And uh, again, it's a personal opinion. I've seen uh, Jason campaigning. I've heard his words, and I think the guy has a chance to be an absolute star if he goes to Congress. Jason, we wish you well coming up with the primary, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Folks, we'll be right back. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130. Warden Happy.
Twin Cities News Talk. AM 1130, Brian Ward, Paul Happy from the HWX Podcast on ricochet.com. Thank Jason Lewis for coming on. Paul Jason Lewis, a part of the uh, radio studio to uh, Washington Pipeline. Paul, how many now talk radio uh, people have Minnesota sent to Congress? Tom Emmer, Al Franken, uh, Sue Jefferson's on her way maybe, I guess not to Washington, to uh, the uh, county board that she's running for. Well, Rod Grams was a TV anchor, and he, he made it to Congress. Absolutely. To the Senate. There was a... Uh, as I recall, uh, what was her name? Wendy Wilde ran, remember, against, uh, I believe, uh, Jim <laughs> Ramstead. That didn't work out, but she tried. So, uh, Paul, I'm ready. Jesse Ventura. Thank you, Stan. Who can forget him? He did a good uh, probably uh, five, six years on the radio as well. So, Paul, it is the obvious next step for you, I think, your evolution of your career. Are you willing to announce anything right now? I, I was thinking it was the next step for you, Brian. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm not prepared to announce anything just yet, uh, but uh, I am eyeing the uh, dog catcher position in Hopkins. I have my eye right on that one. Uh, it's an elected office, and uh, you never know. I think I've been saying the right things. I think the soil and water conservation uh, on our blogs, we've had a lot of fun with uh, soil and water. And that's it, actually the soil and water commissioners are elected. No one knows anything <laughs> about them. I think a media presence could uh could vault you to the you could be the czar of soil and water in minnesota i think you're right it's low profile profile enough for somebody with as many skeletons as i could could still get elected to it maybe i wonder what they do <laughs> i don't know but it's it's time we get some clean water in this town aren't you tired of uh particles in your water paul gunk in your water you open that tap and there's nothing but soil in your water aren't you I, tired of that i actually have a free market solution i pay uh you know out in the uh northwest part of the twin cities the the uh water has ridiculously high amounts of calcium so i paid and bought a very nice filtration system mm. that uh and we have delicious water now sounds like a platform right there for uh, office so uh stay tuned for that announcement coming up paul uh speaking of uh, candidates we want to uh, return to one of our presidential candidates, Ms. Hillary Clinton, and uh, the topic of her emails, which you're aware of. It's been in the news for a long time. In fact, uh, the fine folks at WikiLeaks have taken it upon themselves to publish the entire trove of uh, publicly available private emails that she uh, had to submit for various court inquiries and various investigations. Well, they got it all, and they put it up on the Internet, and it's fascinating reading. If I find myself with few you know spare times on a saturday afternoon that's what i'm doing i'm reading hillary clinton's emails fascinating stuff uh have you been up there yet i have not but i have followed uh many of the mainstream media accounts of what's out there and in, in hillary's emails and today we're not here to talk about uh, national security leaks or anything like that in fact those emails wouldn't be in these WikiLeaks because uh, these are publicly uh, released emails so it's just the ones that were deemed to be uh, not so uh, sensitive in terms of national security, although there were dozens of those as well. But what I found fascinating uh, when I was looking through this, and again, I was just kind of idly looking because there's a there's a purient interest. There's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, not exhibitionism. It's it's sensationalism. Sensationalism, something, just to read someone's private emails. Imagine if someone's reading your emails at work, Paul, the stupid things you say, all the meaningless things you say, all the funny things you say. It's just interesting to... It what it is interesting to read something that no one intends to be read. And That's this, interesting. And this is why she put together a private email server. <laughs> it was her intention that 
Americans could not use a Freedom of Information Act to allow you to read her emails and, and therefore make fun of her or, or uh, gain some sort of political advantage against her. She feared a radio segment just like this. And now it's uh, coming to haunt her uh, that she did this. Um, so uh, interesting you say that, you know, she feared, you know, radio guys, me. Like the, and it's searchable, which is amazing about these emails. Searchable. You can search any term. So the first thing I did, I searched my name, of course, see if I came up. Her and Huma chatting it up. You know, did you hear this podcast, Huma? It's, it's we're, not, uh, we're, we're not in there. You're not in there. I look for you, too. Uh, you'll be happy to hear. Nobody I know is in there. Uh, very few of the names that I recognize. But ultimately, I ended up, like, just Googling Minnesota. What's coming up with Minnesota and uh, Hillary's emails? Lots came up there. And uh, one of the things that came up was an email I found from uh, May of 2011. I have this here. And it was from an individual uh, by the name of Eric Schwartz, who is the dean of the Hubert H. Humphrey School of Public Affairs, current dean right now. And uh, he was in the Clinton, uh, or he was in the Obama administration, uh, what was it, U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for Population, Refugees, and Migration. And that sounds impressive. It does. Assistant Secretary of State for Population, Refugees, and Migration. It almost sounds like they're advocating for a fellow the name like that, but uh, whatever it was, I don't know. But uh, he ended up emailing Hillary Clinton uh, because he was taking a job at the University of Minnesota, and uh, he had to give notice of what he had to do. Uh, but he couldn't email her directly. He emailed, like, Huma and uh, Cheryl Mills is another one of her assistants. They got all the emails. They would forward it on to Hillary oftentimes. That's how that worked. That's how executives behave. That's how you behave at work, I'm sure. You have, I wish. You have I layers wish. of people that to go through it. <laughs> but what I found fascinating was uh, the tone of the email itself. And then once I saw the tone in this one, I saw a pattern in all these other emails that I saw as well. And uh, Mr. Schwartz, uh, at the end of his rather uh, touching uh, resignation, he said, uh, and I quote, Again, reading private emails here. I promise you I'd let you know the very moment I made a decision on the Humphrey School and what has been the most difficult career decision I have ever confronted. Wow. I have decided to accept their offer. It was so difficult because I cannot imagine a more meaningful and fulfilling position than the one I now hold. And I cannot imagine a more inspiring leader than the secretary. Clinton. Or more support than which I've received from you and others on our senior-level team. As I read this email, Paul, I, I think of uh, <laughs> back in the uh, 70s, they said John Hausman could read the phone book and, and, and attract a crowd. Could I read people's emails and attract a it's crowd? The, it's the most ridiculous thing. If it were true, if he could not imagine a more meaningful position, why would you leave that? Well, in, it, Unless it was a big boatload of money the university was dumping in his lap. Well, that's actually publicly available information. You could find that out. Uh, that's true. And then, But what I found curious was that he said about Hillary Clinton. I cannot imagine a more inspiring leader. You know, you may have heard of people like Winston Churchill, uh, Mahatma <laughs> Gandhi, Martin Luther King. Wet blankets, according Jesus to— Jesus Christ. <laughs> not good enough, Paul. The Buddha. He cannot imagine it. His imagination is limited to agree yeah. that he cannot. Hillary Clinton is at the apex of inspiration. Are, are we concerned that the University of Minnesota are hiring people that have some sort of inability to have any imagination? <laughs> have an imagination deficit? I don't know. And I'm not, I'm saying that maybe that is his imagination. I don't know. But uh, what I find funny is that, uh, again, it's just what people say to executives. It's what people say to people that are responsible for 
you know, their favor helps them in their career. It may have helped them get jobs, it helped them get promoted. And again, it's not, I guess, that different than what people would say in any company, right? If we read the emails you send to your executives, Paul, <laughs> dripping with obsequiousness, just the compliments. Wouldn't you say that's true? It's probably similar anyway. I, I don't doubt that people uh, suck up to the boss. All right, you're going to leave it at that. Um, so that was Eric Schwartz. He cannot imagine a more inspiring leader than the secretary. And again, Hillary reads this and nods her head, of course. Uh, it seems sense. But then all these other emails started coming up. I have one from uh, uh, Kathleen S. Ruckman, the branch chief uh, at the Department of State Office of Children's Issues. Paul, and here was her uh, comment. Thank you so much for your excellent introduction of the secretary today and for your support of the good work of uh, Glyfa, her office. As always, the secretary was brilliant and inspiring. As always. But always, but brilliant and inspiring. She upped the ante on Eric Schwartz. He thinks if, she's inspiring. She's if, brilliant and inspiring. If you're brilliant, though, wouldn't you always be brilliant? I guess so. Uh, another email here, Paul. I keep going through these emails. Daniel Goldwyn, excuse me, David Goldwyn, the special envoy for international energy affairs. You know him. You know his credibility. Uh, one of his emails said, and most of all, I am deeply grateful to Secretary Clinton for giving me the opportunity to advance this energy security agenda and for being such an amazing, inspiring, and courageous leader. Triple down, Paul. Wow. Amazing, inspiring, and courageous but leader. At least he didn't say, I can't imagine anyone better. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wrap it up with a fourth one. This is from Joe Wilson. That may ring a bell for you, Ambassador Liar. Joe Wilson. You uh, lie. <laughs> No, no, different Joe Wilson. <laughs> this is the uh, Joe Wilson uh, who is married cake. to, uh, yeah, Yellowcake, uh, uh, Valerie Plame, the husband yeah. of in the news. I like the you lie guy better. Well, we'll see if he sent any emails. But here's what Joe Wilson wrote directly to Hillary uh, in some email about trying to get a meeting or something. You have been a voice of reason in the cacophony that passes for discourse in our international affairs and a beacon of hope for women throughout the world. Thank you. And your family for your tremendous service to humankind. Wow. Period. <laughs> and I would just say, if, if Joe Wilson was writing an email to, again, say, uh, the second coming of the Messiah happened, and he was writing an email, how do you up the ante on what he just said? <laughs> tremendous service to humankind. Beacon of hope to women throughout the world. And, Paul, the point of all of this is... Hillary Clinton hears this day after day after day after day from her circle, her cocoon, her bubble, constantly. And, Paul, my fear is if she hears this enough, she's going to start to believe it, that she is oh, I'm really certain she and inspired. I am certain she believes that. And, folks, that's part of the problem right there. I do believe she thinks she is brilliant and inspiring because everybody that uh, wants a job from her or wants her favor or know the kind of power that she can put behind their efforts, uh, they can get something out of it. She hears it constantly, and it, it distorts her vision of reality, I think. Absolutely. All right. On that inspiring note, we're going to throw to it to a break. We'll be right back. Brian Ward and Paul Happy on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130.
1130, Twin Cities News Talk. Brian Ward, Paul Happy, coming to you this beautiful Saturday. It's becoming beautiful, Paul. I see, I see less gray skies. I see a, a whiter shade of pale out there is what I see. We needed the Annie music. The sun will come out tomorrow. Mm, I think that might be a good way to wrap this up. But uh, we do have a phone call if we can go to uh, Jeff on line one. Jeff, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Excellent. Thank you. What's on your mind? Well, first, listen, every week you guys bring great humor to your show. I really appreciate it. Thank uh, you. And I've got to tell you, I saw Scott Bayo speak, <laughs> and I thought he did a really nice job, very simple uh, speech, and I liked his line when he said, government is not about getting free stuff. I thought he was right on there. I thought he did a nice job. Did, but, he, uh, uh, did he go after Potsy at all is my question. Potsy is going to be speaking at the Democrats, I believe, right? So uh, that'd be a good debate. <laughs> Here's my question. So yes. have you heard the story about WikiLeaks leaking these uh, emails between the DNC and Politico and uh, about uh, colluding uh, to write negative stories about Republicans? And then also uh, Debbie Washington Schultz uh, talking with uh, emails with others of the DNC to discredit Bernie Sanders to do things to damage his campaign. And uh, I'm wondering what uh, the Bernie supporters think about that, what will happen at the convention. All right, Jeff, uh, excellent questions. And, uh, yes, uh, that dropped yesterday, a new WikiLeaks uh, uh, treasure trove of information. Somehow they have leaked DNC emails of them working the media for for uh, stories that are sympathetic towards their cause and towards all sorts of things. I must admit I have not dived into that yet. I will because, again, I love WikiLeaks, and uh, I love reading private emails, as you know. So I'm going to be out there reading it. Paul, have you had a chance to check this out? I, I have, and, you know, we all knew that the media is just a bunch of lapdogs for, for the Democrats. What we didn't realize is just, you know, how obsequious they are. Don't you think it is a story? I mean, it was a story here when we had one gubernatorial candidate hiring a, a, a DFL gubernatorial candidate hired a private investigator to follow and investigate another DFL candidate. And our local media actually basically destroyed the first guy. And, and he uh, they both ended up with their careers in a shambles. On the other hand, nationally, Hillary Clinton can do whatever she wants to do. I mean, Bernie Sanders literally was uh, neck and neck with her for much of the race, and the whole entire media complex, no one came out and said, do you know we're, what, what unethical acts we're being asked to do by the Clinton administration or friends of Hillary? And it's just amazing how much water the media carries not just for the the liberal Democrats, but for this particular liberal Democrat who happens to have, uh, you know, it it it's really amazing. It's almost, uh, it's almost like a third world where you know you better line up and support our dictator, or else who knows what will happen. So there's going to be a hundred percent, you know, vote count for Hillary on the media side. Yeah, I must have been. I haven't uh, gotten into the details of that story. It's out there if uh, folks want to see what's going on. And again, the emails are available for people to read. And I think as people find more and more, uh, the story might uh, get bigger. Right now, it's a small story. I think undeservedly small, given uh, the import of it. Again, if the shoe was on the other and foot, they're going to be chatting about that Monday too. Oh, they are. Up and yep. Yep. We definitely want to hear that, and hopefully, they're going to have some time to analyze that. But yeah, the story's underplayed. But 
I guess what doesn't surprise me is that I assume the media is in the bag for Hillary. Her slogan is, I'm with her. They're with her. I have no doubt about it. I guess it's nice to have some documentary evidence of this, but it certainly doesn't surprise me. No, but Jeff makes a great point. How would you feel if you were a liberal and looking at the two candidates, you in your heart knew that Bernie Sanders matched your worldview a little bit more and you worked hard to support him and, hey, all of a sudden, you know, Hillary calls in all her favors and says, I want uh, favorable coverage. I don't want a level playing field. I think we know Debbie Wasserman Schultz was, you know, in the bag for Hillary all along. But the, the fact that they would go so far as to ask the media for favorable coverage and no one from the media came out and said, hey, there's a problem with what you're what you're asking us to do. I think it's uh, it, it's amazing that uh you know, it makes makes you wonder what kind of a free press we have if we're not able to find out these things. This is the first time you've questioned that, Paul. This is the moment that this man lost his innocence on the uh, state of the press. Uh, the one other dimension of the story, again, is just another facet of the power the Clintons have amassed. And I think that's what we understand about that political couple, Bill and Hillary, is that they were all about power, and they're they're very good at acquiring it. They have a lot of it now, and they're able to wield it in so many different yeah. ways. And and part of it is again, they they can bestow things on people. They can bestow good jobs. They can bestow access. They can bestow career advancement. And that's part of this media stuff too. That's why they're in bed with these people. These people want stories fed to them so they can break down. They may want jobs in the future. There's a media to. Uh, you know, political pipeline as well, going back and forth on that. And the Clintons are masters at using power. That email segment we had uh, last segment about just people kiss, kissing up to her, that's another facet as well. Uh, people realize that she has this power. And uh, I guess what's uh, a little uh, unfortunate is that just how willing they are to use it to their own ends, this ruthlessly. And maybe this is part of our Minnesota naivete, Paul, but. Uh, you know, we, we just don't think that way. We just don't operate on that basis. We operate on a more, uh, I think, straightforward basis than they ever would. Yeah, and and what is also funny about about the Democratic Party is Bernie Sanders just fell right in line. Doesn't matter what dirty tricks he used against me. At least Ted Cruz had some backbone and and you know said, <laughs> "Hey, I'm tired of all the all the uh, you know fighting against me. I'm not going to go that far." Bernie, it, what did it take him about ten minutes to fall in line? All right, and and there was never any question though either. No one ever thought, you know, he just might break away and start. And Trump still. Keep trying to seduce him over to the dark side, if yeah. you will, by us uh, going to the voters. But I think that's one thing the Democratic voters have proven. I mean, they, they are they are party line people. They are party men, if you will, party women. And uh, there's no breaking out uh, from that. For so, Paul, the convention's coming up. You'll be watching it this week. You bet I will. I uh, I'm a political junkie, as I think you are, Brian. And so we want to uh, we want to see what's going on. Absolutely, folks. We're going to be on the internet. Uh, check out again ricochet.com. Check out the HWX. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.